Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the KettleCast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we talk about the Hawks' 91-112 loss to the Utah Jazz. The Hawks didn't have Trey Young and still didn't have DeAndre Hunter, and it was tough to get any scoring going. The Utah Jazz were able to use that stifling defense to come out of Atlanta with a win. Without further ado, let's get into it. When your team only scores 37 points and a half of basketball, you know it's a long night, and it was a long night for the Hawks. Without Trey Young, who was a late scratch, the Hawks just didn't have anything come easy on the offensive end. They got a pretty nice performance from Kevin Herter and John Collins, who should be a vocal point of the offense when Trey isn't in there, had a nice game, but the Hawks just couldn't get any rhythm on offense, and the Jazz did enough to build a lead and come out of Atlanta with a win. Um... That first half, it was a slog for both teams. Atlanta scored 37 points, but Utah did not do much better and only scored 45. And there were some mishaps in this game that just show that it wasn't the most well-played half of basketball, most well-played game of basketball. Um, There was a particular stretch where the Hawks got a steal. Kevin Herter turned it over. Donovan Mitchell was all by himself in the backcourt, and went up for a dunk and just missed a dunk by himself. And he was actually so amazed he missed it. He hung on the rim for a little bit and watched the ball go out. Um, and the Hawks got the ball, turned it over again, and eventually the Jazz were able to score. But it was just a really strange game. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic, Utah Jazz's Bogdanovic, dribbled right into John Collins, knocked him over. And while John Collins was on his butt, he was able to get a steal from Bogdanovic and start the fast break from his butt. So it was just... A really weird game, not very uh, offensively explosive. The Jazz were able to put up 67 points in the second half, but uh, a lot of that was from Jordan Clarkson, who came off the bench for the Jazz and really lit it up. He had 23 points, 9 of 13 from the field, hit 5 of 8 three-pointers. And when Jordan Clarkson has a lead and has the green light to pull, man, there's not a lot of people who can hit shots like he can. He had a couple of really difficult shots, including a three-pointer out of the corner that was just a wild shot at the end of the shot clock. And he also had a crazy shot just at the basket in the paint where he was somehow able to get the ball up on the glass and for the ball to go in. The Hawks didn't have Trey Young, and Rajon Rondo got the start in his place. And Cam Reddish started the second game in a row, well, actually a third game, without uh, DeAndre Hunter. And the offense just never really felt in gear. The Jazz are a very strong defensive team held down in the middle by Rudy Gobert. And Clint Capella had a fine night rebounding the ball, but was unable to really score effectively against Gobert. And none of the Hawks found a lot of success at the rim. The Hawks overall only shot the ball ball from the field at a 33% clip and shot the three ball even worse than that. They were 9 of 31 from three. The Hawks did get to the free throw line. Um, They made 18 of their 19 free throws, but the offense just, it never came really easily from anywhere, and I think that was a big problem. They were able to, in spurts and fits, able to get some offense going. Kevin Herter, in particular, I thought had a little bit of a run where he hit two threes and was able to really be aggressive and get to the paint and hit some shots, but none of it came easy. Um, John Collins ended the game with 17 points. He was 6 of 16 from the field. He did get to the free throw line. Shocker, he never gets to the free throw line. He was able to hit four free throws, had seven rebounds and two steals. 
And I think the Hawks should be a little bit more deliberate, especially when they don't have players like DeAndre Hunter and Trey Young and trying to feed John Collins. He had that great game against the Mavericks where he scored 35 points, and they really needed to take advantage of that and see how much John could do for them against the Jazz. Obviously, Rudy Gobert's in the middle, but John Collins is definitely able to take Bojan Bogdanovic into the paint and score over him, and the Hawks just didn't do a good job of getting him the ball in the paint. Um, Cam actually had an all right game offensively. He was 5 of 14 from the field, had 12 points, got to the free throw line for two of those. And Cam is at his best right now, splashing to the basket. He can make some awkward shots. He has a pretty nice left hand, and he just did a good job when he was going towards the basket. Cam can settle a little bit. I don't know if he's settling or he's trying to take shots that the coaching staff is asking him to take on the three point line, but when he has the ball, he can go to the, he has a good enough handle to get to the rim and he started figuring that out and getting to the basket, but I hope he starts doing that a little earlier in the games. Um, Tony Snell has to be talked about. He came in in the fourth quarter. He had some run throughout this game, but came in in the fourth quarter and he hit four three pointers in the fourth quarter. And it's good to see another player who was injured to start the season, really start to find his legs and get, get himself back into game shape. And Look, if the Hawks have a three-point shooter like Tony Snell and you're able to get Trey Young in there feeding him passes, that's a deadly weapon for uh, Trey Young. Skyler Mays was able to come in at the end of this game and finally get his first points as a Hawk. Mays is the Hawks' second-round pick this past draft, and he had been in four other games for the Hawks this season but hadn't been able to get onto the into the scorer's book. He still struggled to get in against the Jazz he took a drive, he took two threes, nothing was falling, and finally he was able to draw a foul and get his first points as a Hawk from the free throw line. Um, that Those were the offensive highlights for the Hawks. There just wasn't a lot going on. A lot of passes were mistimed or going to someone, so going somewhere that someone wasn't. There was a lot of over-dribbling, I thought, and a lot of just... Uh, it's tough with Rudy Gobert in the middle to get any shots at the rim, and the Hawks weren't able to make anything easy. You just really got to try to do something to get easy offense, and just nothing came easy for the Hawks um, against the Jazz. For the Jazz, again, Jordan Clarkson was a huge lift for the uh, Utah off the bench. The Utah bench outscored the Hawks bench 49-40. to I did think those 40 points from the Hawks, of course, 12 of those from Tony Snell, were big. And with Gallo and now Tony Snell, maybe if we start getting some of these injured Hawks, Coming back, the bench will just be bolstered that much more. Um, Donovan Mitchell had a quiet night. Um, he was 7 of 18 from the field, had 18 points. He did ultimately really lock down um, the game for the Jazz, and he was just, he's a very steady force for the Jazz. He's their number one ball handler, um, especially when Mike Connolly is not on the floor. And he just was doing everything, especially because Mike Connolly got into early foul trouble, getting three fouls in the first quarter. Uh, but the Jazz just took advantage of a Hawks team that didn't have all their depth. The Jazz shot 48% from the field. They shot 48% from three, 13 of 27. Um, they out-rebounded the Hawks 52 to 49, 19 assists. They had seven steals, four blocks. Um, it was just a very solid performance from the Jazz coming in and not – you know, they didn't overlook the Hawks. They didn't let a team without its star player hang in there at all. It was really just taking care of business. And um, I thought they did a, made a really good halftime adjustment. The Hawks did do a good job, as evidenced by only holding 
the Jazz to 45 points in that first half. They did a good job against the Jazz. And then in the second half, the Jazz made a little bit of adjustment to really attack the middle of the Hawks' defense. And especially get Rudy Gobert um, into screen and rolls with whoever the ball handling was to get Clint Capella out of the paint. And Jazz ball handlers were getting into the paint. And Bogdan, um, Boyan Bogdanovich had a couple of just layups. Jordan Clarkson had a nice lay-in. Um, but they really punished the middle of the Hawks' uh, defense and were able to stretch the lead out from eight all the way up to you know 27 points at different points in this game. But um, it was just the Hawks could not score. It's what it came down to. And um, shots weren't falling. John Collins got six three-pointers up, which is, which is a great number. I still think he uh, can take that many and, and shoot the ball well. I wouldn't ask him to shoot any fewer, but – when uh, Kevin Herter has it going as well as he does at the beginning of the game, I would expect him to be a little bit more aggressive. And I still think that the Hawks pass up some early three-pointers early in the shot clock from capable shooters that they shouldn't let pass. Um, this game really, you know, kind of bookends a really tough run for the Hawks that run from the L.A. Lakers to the Mavericks to now the Jazz. It was just a brutal stretch of Western Conference teams that came into Atlanta and took care of business. The Hawks played it played well against the Lakers, had a chance to win that game. They got behind early and let the Mavericks take control in the second half, especially at the end of the third quarter, and weren't able to win that game. And then the Jazz just came in and really dominated on the second night of a back-to-back. So a really tough three-game stretch for the Hawks and a stretch where they lost all three of their games. They now have the Toronto Raptors, who haven't been playing the best basketball, come to Atlanta on Saturday, and it'll be... Something to look forward to to see if Trey is back in the lineup. What has happened with DeAndre Hunter? We haven't really gotten a ton of updates about him and see where this Hawk rotation can go. But um, the Hawks are just not able to score without their uh, engine in Trey Young. And the Jazz really exposed that. There's no um, shame in losing to the team that has the best record in the West. But the Hawks never really threatened. We're never really in shouting range of, of the Jazz and didn't really put any sort of scare at all into the Jazz. So. It was a little disappointing to see, and it would have been nice um, to see the Hawks have a breakout performance for from any one of their players, but um, the Jazz did a good job of coming in and taking care of business. Like I said, the Hawks play the Toronto Raptors on Saturday. Um, there has been no update on if Trey or DeAndre Hunter are going to be playing in those games, but um, I would expect the Hawks to come out and really uh, play hard from the tip to try to get a win um, against the Toronto Raptors. Go Hawks! Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks!